Good morning again. How are we doing today, Anchor Church? Welcome. Welcome to uh, our series, Advent at Anchor. Uh, if you're our guest today, welcome. So glad to have you. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome. Glad that you're tuning in. Um, like I said, we're in our Advent at Anchor series. We're continuing that. And this week is the uh, Advent of Love. We're lighting the, the candle for Advent of Love. Um, and we'll get into that, into the scriptures in, in just a minute. But um, as is customary when I speak, I want to share kind of a story with you. Or maybe, maybe just experience, life experience, I guess. So um, when I was younger... Christmas was really important to me, really important to me for two reasons. The first reason, presents, right? Yeah. What kid didn't love presents, didn't prioritize presents, right? So Christmas was really important to me because of presents. And I kind of considered myself like the king of Christmas when it came to that. Like I would take daily inventory of the new arrivals under the tree, like kept a meticulous log. I would pick them up and I would shake them and shift them and listen and listen for the scratching and the rattling and try to figure out like what's in this gift, right? Um, and then like based on size and wait, like I would come up with these really inventive ideas of like what was underneath the wrapping paper. I was always dead wrong. I never, never guessed, but um, it was always fun anyways, right? Right? That, that was what was most important to me at Christmas. And um, coming in at a close second, the thing that was second most important to me during Christmas was I got two weeks off of school. Dylan, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, heck yeah. Two weeks off of school. I mean, two weeks of not doing schoolwork, getting to sleep in as long as I could, like sitting in the, the warm house playing my video games and eating all the Christmas goodies that my grandma and my aunts and my mom would make, right? Like playing with my toys. Like that was what's, what was most important to me as a kid. Um, and when I think about when I think of Christmas, I also think of spending Christmas Eve at my aunt's house, uh, my aunt and uncle. They would have everybody over, my grandparents, me, my brothers, my mom, uh, all my other aunts and uncles, like, would all go over to my aunt's house on Christmas Eve, and it'd just be chaos, chaos until about 11 p.m., and then we'd all pile in our cars, and we would drive to a Catholic church and go to midnight mass. Now, if you didn't know that's a thing in Catholic Church. Uh, I think it was specifically designed to torture kids on Christmas because uh, it was awful, right? Just to have to endure that. It was only an hour, but it felt like four hours. So, um, but I knew once midnight mass was over, man, we got to go home, go to sleep, and then when we wake up, presents, right? You know, so um, that's what I think about when I think of Christmas. I think of presents. I think of time off of school. I think of going to my aunt's house and just the craziness that ensued with that. Um, what about you? What, when you think about Christmas, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Are you like me? It's like presents? What? Christmas break. Yes, as the teacher. Yeah, that, yes, yes. Um, maybe for you it is presents like it was for me. The brand new big screen TV, the, the, the gaming system, or, you know, that diamond tennis bracelet that you've been hinting at, you know, that kind of thing. Like, maybe that's what Christmas, that, that's what you think of when you think of Christmas. Or, or maybe you think of vacation like I did. Maybe you think of, like, time off of work or sitting on the couch watching Christmas movies with your family or, you know, eating that delicious holiday ham, Perry. 
Ham is delicious. I don't care what you say. Uh, eating that delicious holiday ham, I had to give Perry a hard time. So, um, What is Christmas about to you? What's it about? What do you think of? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Christmas? Um, as I was preparing this message and I was thinking about, man, what does Christmas mean to me? It made me sad that the first thing that came to mind was getting presents. It made me sad that the first thing that came to mind was time off. Um, it makes me sad that I reduce Christmas down to receiving material things. It makes me sad that I reduce Christmas down to basically just being lazy. It, it made me sad. Now, if that's, if that's where you're at, like, like the first thing that comes to mind is, is one of those things that I mentioned. No judgment because like I dealt with that. I still deal with that sometimes, you know. Um, no judgment at all. That can happen. Um, but as I get older and, and as I mature, um, as I have a more personal relationship with Jesus, I never want to forget what Christmas is actually about. What all of, all of this is actually about. I never, ever want to forget what it's about. And today I want to look at what the scriptures have to tell us about the meaning of Christmas and, and why we do all of this. But first, would you pray with me? Let's pray this morning. God, thank you. Thank you for Christmas and thank you for um, sending your son to be born and, and become one of us. Um, I just I'm grateful, God, for, for the, the blessings that come with that. I'm thankful, God, for, for God, just, just the many benefits of, of, of that, um, that one thing, that one happening, that one action. And I just pray, God, today you would open our hearts to hear your word and, and receive the truth that you have for us today. We love you, God. Have your way. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to be jumping around a little bit uh, in Scripture. I have a couple of different Scriptures that I want to look at, so I don't have one core. Um, it's Galatians chapter 4, if you want to turn there. Um, that's where I'm going to start. Galatians chapter 4, like I said, we've been celebrating Advent. And Advent is just a preparation, for the, uh, pre preparing for the birth of Christ. And, and it, it, um, it has kind of a, a, dual, a dual meaning, too. It's, we're preparing for the second coming of Christ as well. Uh, and all the benefits and blessings that come with that. And right now I want to look at some of the consequences of the birth of Christ. And when I say consequence, um, one thing we've learned in being parents, consequences are amoral. They're not good or bad, right? They're, they're amoral. Consequences can be good or bad. We, we normally tend to think of consequences with a negative connotation. I'm not using a negative connotation. I'm just saying there are consequences of the birth of Christ, and, and they're good consequences, and I want to look at those today. Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, it says, But when the, time, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that we could adopt, so he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. According to this scripture, Jesus was born to buy our freedom. 
He was sent into this world. He became a baby. He took on human form to buy our freedom. He was born so that he could adopt us one day as his own children. He was born so that his spirit could live inside of us, that we could be God's heirs. That, that is what Christmas is about. That's what the birth of Jesus is about. Colossians chapter 1 um, you can turn there if you want. It's going to be pretty quick. It's just a few verses. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, uh, verse 12 through 14, it says, He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. The birth of Jesus made us heirs. It allowed us to share in the inheritance of God. The birth of Jesus rescued us from darkness. It transferred us into the kingdom of God. The birth of Jesus eventually led to the forgiving of the sins of all of humanity, right? It's a consequence of the birth of Jesus. Through Jesus, God reconciled everything and made peace with everything by the blood of Christ. This couldn't have happened if he didn't come if he if he wasn't born into the world right and the last last uh scripture i want to look at is matthew chapter 1 starting in verse 18 so this is how jo- or this is how jesus the messiah was born his mother mary was engaged to be married to joseph but before the marriage took place while she was still a virgin she became pregnant through the power of the holy spirit Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through, through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. This is a big deal in the world of the Bible, right? Those three words together in that order, God with us, that's a huge deal to the readers because in this world, in in the ancient Near Eastern world, the world of the Bible, the world that these, these people lived in, no matter what religion you had, no matter what God you worshiped, you wanted that God to be close to you. You wanted that God to be as close to you physically in proximity as possible. So for this angel to come to Joseph and say, this is the Messiah, and he's, his name is going to be Emmanuel, which means God with us, that was a huge, huge deal. Now, give you a little bit of context, in Exodus, in the book of Exodus, God gives Israel instructions on how to build a temple, right? How to build a temple that he can dwell in so he can be among them. So uh, I didn't plan on doing this. Really quick, Dylan, come up here. Quick, quick, quick. Come up here. Okay, so in Exodus, Dylan's going to represent the temple, right? You, you are a temple, so you're going to represent the temple. So Dylan represents the temple. God's presence is in there. And in Exodus, Israel lived life over here, 
and then they would come be near him to worship, and then they would live their lives over here, and then they would come be near him to worship. Well, now, sorry, Steve, I know it's making it hard on you. Um, um, so now, this angel comes and says, hey, you don't have to worry about this whole living your life over here while I'm over here thing. I'm going to be with you. God is going to be with you. That means he's going to live life with you. That means he's going to walk amongst you. That means he's going to share meals with you. That means he's going to converse with you. No, no longer do you have to live over here while God exists over here. I'm going to be with you. It's a huge deal for this angel to say, Messiah's coming. He's going to be with you. Thank you, Dylan. Give it up for Dylan. So to, go from, so to go from completely separated, right, separated in the Garden of Eden because of their sin, and then in Exodus to go, God's among them now. God, God is back on earth. He's, he's in this spot called the temple, right? He's among them. And then to move from among them to with them is a huge deal. God himself is taking on a human form to live life with his people. Hasn't happened since Genesis with Adam and Eve, right? The last time God walked and talked with his people was Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And then they sinned and messed it all up and God left. He's bringing it back. This is a big deal. It's a big deal that, that God is going to be with us. The birth of this Messiah changed everything. So God sending his son to be born into the world changed the course of history. It changed the course of all of creation. It's significant, and I never want us to forget what Christmas is all about. The presents are nice, right? But they're extra. The, the tree, the, the lights, the, um, the music, the eggnog, the, all the food, like this stuff is all great, and they're special, and they, they make you feel some kind of way, you know, but like that's not what Christmas is about. Like, I wish, I wish we could do this, like the wreaths, and I wish we could have a bigger tree and deck it out, like, you know, all that, like, but that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is not about all that stuff. Christmas is about the birth of our Savior and the beginning of the redemption of humankind. In our reading of our scriptures today, we've identified what the birth of Christ accomplished, right? He, he bought our freedom. He, he transferred us into his kingdom. He forgave our sins. He made us heirs to the kingdom of God, like, right? That's what the birth of Christ accomplished. We, we kind of read how, how it was accomplished, right? Like he gave up equality with God. He, he descended to earth and he took on this, right? Like <laughs> that kind of stinks. Think about that, right? You're God and you're like a perfect being, and then you put on this. I, you know, like that kind of stinks. So, but, but that's how he did it. That's how he freed us from sin. He, he, he came, he was born, and, and now I want to talk about why. I want us to understand why. Why did God come? Why, why did Jesus come? Why, why did God send his son to die for us? Why did, why did Jesus take on the form of a human being so that he could, he could buy us? Why? I think the third chapter of John, verse 16, tells it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Love. 
love. That's the whole reason any of this matters. It's the whole reason we're here right now. That's the whole reason we worship love. The only reason any of this is possible is because he loves us so intensely that he was willing to send his own son to earth to become a human, knowing that he would suffer and die. Love. He did that for us. He did that for you. He did that for me. He came in the flesh. He died on the cross. He's resurrected, and now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father for you. For me. Love. Love is the only reason any of this is happening. That is love. Today I want to draw our attention to three things that the birth of Christ reveals to us about the love of God. Three things the birth of Christ reveals to us about the love of God. This is the first thing. Love has been made visible. The birth of Christ has made love visible to us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 says this, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. The Apostle John is, is leaning into the triune nature of God here, right? Like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father's up in heaven. God the Holy Spirit, he indwells in the Christian believer, but God the Son. The Son, like I said, uh, the example with Dylan, he took on human form and now he's walking amongst us. He came to walk amongst us and live life with us and share meals and cry with us. Like he did that to make love visible for us so that we could see what love actually looks like. Not only did he come in human form, he took the lowest position. He, he took the lowest position. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 say this, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He could have come as royalty. He could have come as a, a politician. He could have come as um, uh, you know, a rich person. He could have he come as a military general, but he didn't. He came as a baby. He, ca- he came as a baby born into a poor family. He could have he been born into a family with power. He could have born into a family with status, but he was born to a lowly, he was born to a lowly carpenter and a teenage mom. The original teen mom, right? Like, he could have been born in Rome, or Ephesus, or Thessalonica, these huge metropolitan areas in the the largest empire in the world. He could have been born there. He was born in Bethlehem, a little cow town that people pass through on their way to where they're going. Nobody goes to Bethlehem on purpose, right? Like, but that's where he was born. He took the lowest position, and, and, and he came humbly as a slave. Love was made visible. We can see from the birth of Jesus that the the love of God is humble. The love of God is is selfless. We see from the birth of Jesus that the love of God doesn't give up. It doesn't quit. It doesn't run when things get hard. The love of God is willing to go to the greatest lengths, to the furthest reaches to ensure that you and I are with him. 
That's what I see when I, I see the love of God. That's what I see when I think about the birth of Christ. So that's the first thing the birth of Christ reveals to us about the love of God, that love is now visible. We can see love now. The second thing that's revealed to us about the love of God through the birth of Christ is this. Love has been defined. Love has been defined. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 says this. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. The argument of the text here is that love cannot be defined by trying to watch humanity love. Hear that. Love cannot be defined by trying to watch humanity love each other. Love can't be defined that way. The only way we can define love, the only way we can know what real love is, is by looking to God and seeing Jesus, seeing the way Jesus loved. That's how we define what love is. And there's a, a phrase that's becoming more and more prevalent uh, in our culture, and, and it, it directly like goes against what I just said. Um, this phrase when I think about it like this, it doesn't even make sense. Love is love, right? And there's like, there's like political ideologies attached to that. I'm not getting into all that, but I'm, I'm just making the point, like, right, this, this phrase is thrown around. Love is love, right? It doesn't matter who you love as long as you're loving. Well, you're trying to define love by human standards, and you can't do that. Love is defined by God and God alone. It's defined by the, way, by, by the way we see God love us. Love without Jesus doesn't make sense. It's undefined. We can't define. So love is love. An undefined word is an undefined word, right? Outside of Jesus, we cannot define love. But with the birth of him, we see that love now has a definition. Love now has a definition, God loved us so much that he sent his perfect son, perfect spotless son into a wicked, depraved, evil world that we might have a chance to know him. Love is giving. Love is giving. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I shared this, I shared this thought with Robin. Um, I had this I had this random thought while I was driving one day, and I'm going to share it with you. It's, it's kind of morbid. Like, just track with me, okay? So I'm, I'm driving in my car, and I just, had this, I just had this, like, thought. Like, man, what if there's this terrorist that just captured a bunch of people? People I don't know. People I don't, like, I've never met before, you know. They don't know me. They, they've never even seen me. They don't care about me, nothing. But this terrorist, you capture these people, he's going to kill them. And there's one way for them to be saved. And he looks at me and says, you can save them. Give me your son. And he'll die in their place. And I do it. It made us cry when I was talking about it. Like, it, it made us cry to think about that. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> no way that I would, do, I would give up my own son to save people that don't know me, don't care about me, don't want to know me. Like, there's no way. But God did that for us. God defined love by, by sending his son to die for us that we might have a, a chance to know him. It's not even a certainty that we'll know him. It's not even a certainty that we'll be with him one day. He sent his son to die for the chance that we might discover him, that we might come to know him one day. That's love. That is love. 
And that's how, that's how we define love. Outside of Jesus, we cannot define love. So that's the second thing I wanted to take away. The first thing uh, revealed uh, about the love of God uh, is that love has been visi- made visible. The second thing is that love has been defined. This is the third and final thing um, the birth of Christ reveals to us about the love of God. Love expands across the world. Love expands across the world. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 say this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. We are to be a people marked by love. We are supposed to be a group of people marked by love, not junk drawer love, not thin love, real love, not conditional love, the love of Christ. We're to be people of convictional love, the kind of love that says, I've got your back no matter what. Whether or not you've got my back, I've got your back. That's love. I'm here for you whenever you need me and meaning it, right? That's that's love. That's love. And this love, this kind of love, uh, it expands across the world and it starts with us. It starts with the body of Christ. It starts with his church. John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35 say this, a new commandment I give to you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one, one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you attend church every week. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you serve. By this, all people will know you're my disciples if you give. By this, all people will know you're my disciples if you follow all the rules. It doesn't say any of that. How does love expand across the world? It starts with us. It starts with us loving each other. It starts with us giving that unconditional love. It starts with us giving that, con- that convictional love to one another where, where it says, I'm, I'm not related to you, Dylan, but I love you like a brother because we're united by Christ. It starts with that. It starts with us willing to sacrifice for each other. That's how love expands across the world. Even non-Christians like, understand this at this time, right? Like, what's, what's, the, what's the catchphrase at this time of year? It's always better to give than to receive, right? Like even non-Christians get this. Like you show love, you express love by giving. That's one of the the main ways you can express love. And again, non-Christians get this. One of the ways we express love at Christmas is by giving. And when we give of of ourselves to each other, when we give, when we constantly are giving, when we're giving, love expands throughout the world. It spreads everywhere. Worship team, you can come to the platform. Uh, Love plays such a vital role in the Christmas story. I think it was because of love, Joseph didn't stone Mary. So what I mean is, right, they were engaged to be married. Joseph and Mary were engaged to be married. And then Joseph finds out that she's pregnant. According to... Well, he probably, I mean, he didn't sleep with her, so he probably thought, man, she, she just 
did the deed with someone else. And according to the, the Old Testament law, he had the right to kill her. He didn't. Why not? I think it's because of love. It's because of love. Mary had the natural, um, she had the natural, uh, um, like, motherly love for Jesus, right? And ultimately, like, we see God's love through him sending his son to be born a human to take on the punishment that we deserved. It's about love. The ministry of Jesus, right? Like, he, he focuses on preaching Love. Two of the greatest commands that he ever gives us is love God, love others. It's all about love. Love is the greatest of all the virtues on the Advent wreath. And it encompasses Jesus' entire purpose for being on the earth. Love encompasses Jesus' entire purpose for being here, for being born, for for doing what he did. Love. Love. I never want to forget that. I never want us to forget that. I mean, the, again, the presents are, are fun and, and all the things that come with, with gifts. If you're a, a Santa person and you take your kids to see Santa or, or whether you're not or whatever, like the, the traditions that come with Christmas, they're fine. But I never want us to forget what this is all about. Is that God loved us so much that he sent his own son to receive the punishment that we so rightly deserved. That's what Christmas is about. Let me pray for you today. God, thank you. God, thank you for ah, your love. Thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you gave. You loved us so much that you gave. You gave your only son to die in our place, to die in my place. God, I fall short of your standard, and I deserve death because of that, according to your word. But Jesus took my place. Thank you, God. God, I pray for anyone today in the room or, or maybe watching online who, who might be struggling in this area of, of knowing your love, experiencing your love. God, I pray that you would right now make your love abundantly clear. Let us experience your love in a way we never have before, Father God. Help us to see your love because your love is visible now. Help us to know your love better because your love is defined now. And God, teach us how to, to, to spread your love around and let it start with us. We love you, God. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Maybe you're in the room today and, and you don't know this love that I'm talking about because you don't have a relationship with Christ. Maybe, maybe... Um, you attend, you've been attending church for a long time, but church attendance does not equal relationship with God. Maybe you're in a place where you don't have a relationship with God. Well, today's the day that, that can change for you. Today's the day where you can step into that blessing and you can start experiencing the love of our Heavenly Father. If that's you today, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. 
Um, there's nothing special about raising your hand. It's just you, you're helping me identify who I can pray with. And so uh, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. I want to make this a, a personal moment. No one looking around. If that's you today, you say, Pastor Ryan, I don't, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, or I used to have a relationship with Jesus, but for whatever reason, I, you know, I walked away. If, if that's you today, at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out, point you out to anybody, nothing like that. I just want to know who I can pray with. So if that's you, at the count of three, raise your hand. One. God loves you so, so much. Two, he's waiting for you to come home to him right now. Three, if that's you, raise your hand so that I can pray with you. Raise it high so I can know who I'm praying with. Okay, this is what I want to do right now. Whether you raised your hand or not, or, or whether you're, you're online and you raised your hand, um, I want us to pray. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I want to ask everyone in the house to repeat this prayer after me so that nobody feels singled out, nobody feels you know, picked on or anything like that. I'm going to ask everyone in the house to re repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father God, I see your love in Jesus. I see your love through the birth of Christ. Help me to experience your love in a real way today. I confess that I've sinned against you and I need you to save me. Teach me how to submit to you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you so much for your love. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Can we give it up for those who prayed that prayer today? That's so, that's awesome. That's so good. Um, if you did pray that prayer, you're in the house or you're online, we, we want to put resources in your hands. Let us know. Let us know. Um, you can come talk to me. You can go see um, Teresa's team at the, the welcome table. We have resources, free resources that we want to put in your hand to help you get started on, on this faith journey right. So um, we don't want anyone to do this alone. So um, let, us, let us know if you made that decision today. If you, if you did make the decision to follow Christ, welcome. Welcome to the family of God. Um, what I want to do right now is... I want to take a few moments, just, just a couple of minutes, and I just want us to respond. I just want us to respond to um, the message. I want us to respond to the Spirit of God. So the worship team is going to lead us in a song. Um, but I want you to feel comfortable to respond how you need to. If you need to sing, sing the words of the song, that's fine. If you need to pray, that's fine. If you need to sit and just think, that's fine too. But, but let's not... Let's not blow by this moment. Let's not skip this moment. Let's, let's take a deep breath and let's, let's settle in and let's allow the Spirit of God to, to do His work in us right now. Worship team, lead us. God, you paid the price. You paid the price for us that we could be with you forever. And it all started with the birth of your Son. 
him giving up his divine privilege and becoming one of us that he might take our place. It all starts with Christmas. It all starts with the birth of Christ. God, thank you. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you that, that you loved us enough to, to do whatever it took to make sure that we were with you. Thank you, God. I pray today for Anchor Church. I pray today for Milford. I pray today, God, for all, all people, God, that we would come to know your love, that we would come to know the radical, relentless love that you have for us. God, you love us furiously, and, and we can't even comprehend it. God, I pray that you would begin to reveal it to us day by day, more and more. We love you, God. We thank you. We thank you, God. I pray that you would um, give us new opportunities this week and the coming weeks to experience your love in a fresh way. Thank you, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Really quickly, um, before I dismiss, I have a couple of next steps that I, you know, I want us to kind of take away. And these next steps are just tangible things that we can do to take the message and apply them to our lives this week. So I just have two. It says, this week, I will show the love of Christ to someone in a tangible way. Um, that's one, of our, that's one of our responsibilities as the image of Christ is to reveal him to the world. And one of the best ways to do that is to love. This week I will love, I will show the love of Christ to someone in a tangible way. And then this week I'll invite someone to Anchor's Candlelight Service. Next Sunday is our, our candlelight service. And um, it's, we're wrapping up our, our Advent series. Well, we're, we're wrapping up our in-person Advent series. Um, we'll conclude our Advent series on, on Christmas online, but um, invite someone to our, our candlelight service next week. It's going to be awesome. So uh, let me say one last prayer and we can be dismissed. God, thanks. Thanks again, God, for your grace and mercy. I just pray blessing on my, my church family. I pray, God, that, um, that you would draw us nearer to yourself this week. And finally, may you be people of love. May you let love live in your heart. And may you share the love of Christ with all you meet. May you share the love of Christ by, by praying for our world. In this Advent season, may you feel the love of God in every circumstance. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us today. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week.